Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. The Neverland Podcast, episode 113. Welcome to Neverland. Take a start of the right and straight until morning. Take your pixie out of your pocket, and you know what to do with her, don't you? Sprinkle her around. Well, okay, I thought you'd give more of an answer than that. Well, that's the next thing, isn't it? Well, yeah, you sprinkle her around and get some of that pixie dust on you, and then what do you gotta do? Smile. Well, you gotta think of your happiest thought. Yes. So that way you can fly to Neverland. I, of course, am your host, Jeremy the Spider-Pan, and with me again... Heather the Windy Nerd. Yes, we are back. Both of us. You haven't been... I was hoping you'd be able to be with me more often, but it hasn't worked out so good. No, no. But we're both here now. Um, I would Normally, at this time, I would tell you everything we're going to have on the show, but there's so much I want to put on the show that I really just want to get onto it. But uh, we had ourselves a little excursion yesterday, and we went out to see Kung Fu Panda 3. Yay! And, yay! Which also included a lot of trailers, so I think it's time to visit the trailer park! Mama! Now the gator got in the house! Now the gator! Give me that sugar! Come here! Oh. Get him, Mama! Oh. Get that gator! Oh. The Neverland Trailer Park. If you must blink, do it now. Pay careful attention to everything you see. No matter how unusual it may seem. If you look away, even for an instant, then our hero will surely perish. It's time to follow my own path. My name is Kubo. This is my story. Your magic is growing stronger. But when we grow stronger, the world grows more dangerous. Cool. 
caught my attention. I promise I won't even blink. I actually don't think I even can blink. Do I have eyelids? All right, so granted, we're going to talk about some movies here that were not Disney movies. It's all right. But I think these kind of carry the spirit. If you enjoy some Disney stuff, I think you're going to enjoy that. Uh, and we'll start with uh, the first trailer. I, I ran out and got a soda, but when I walked in, there was this trailer. And as you've just heard the audio, Kubo and the Two Strings. And I'm sorry, there's not a lot of dialogue in that teaser, just a lot of music. So you really didn't get a good look at this. But it seems like music is a big part of the movie. Um, because it, it seemed like from the the little trailer, it really, like you said, it was more of a teaser mm-hmm. um, that it's uh, like a, a little boy has almost like a magic guitar. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and of course, this is a, a... And also, apparently, origami does a lot of magic with some origami uh, type of things. Yeah, like you play, you can play his little... And it's not really a guitar. Like it's, it's like a, it's two-string... Uh, like a lute or something yeah. like that. Oriental to, instrument of some sort. Yeah. Anyway, and so when he plays it, the little uh, papers will yes. fold. So and it comes to life. And it comes to life, yes. And it's, it's really neat. And um, even the style, if you guys get and look at the trailer. Yeah, look um, this up. The, the style of the trailer even looks a little bit like origami. Um, yeah, it's and this is a stop motion. So mm-hmm. it's, it's you know, very, very well done puppets. I mean, very mm-hmm. kind of realistic, but they have their own style. But a really neat. I mean, I, I walked in, like I said, late. I was getting a drink and walked in and looked at this and said, wow, what's this? Mm-hmm. Uh, just gorgeous in design. Just really looks neat. This is coming out from Focus Pictures this mm-hmm. August. And it's, it's kind of looks like a uh, Chinese style fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very neat. Uh, don't really, this didn't really give any way into the plot, but it did tease us with a few names that you don't get to see because you're only hearing the audio, but Ray Fines. Uh, George Takei, also known as Mr. Sulu. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlize Theron, which you heard her. She is this uh, a monkey, which she apparently is a Kung Fu-style monkey. Then Matthew mm-hmm. McConaughey is this guy in this big armor. you know, And he, he looks like a uh, – what type of beetle would that be, biologist? Um, he looks like a well, scarab beetle, a, which is the – Kind of like a scarab, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if he actually is like a beetle and she gets maybe down to his size or what. Or he – the Kubo uh, – it looked a little me like a little girl at first, but I think maybe Heather's right. Maybe he's a, a little boy. boy. The way they um, have him dressed and everything. Yeah, because he's not wearing the, the you know the long kind of kimono type of thing. Uh, but this looks very exciting. I'm excited to hear more about this. But this, I think this was a, a, as far as the trailer goes or a teaser. Mm-hmm. It did its job. It did tease us with mm-hmm. showing us how beautiful this movie is going to look. Yep. Uh, and really exciting of you know because the opening that you don't see when you hear just the dialogue of you know, telling you don't blink or the hero will lose it. Mm-hmm. This they're out on a boat on the ocean. And this huge tidal wave comes up, and the uh, the, the character, which could be Kubo's it's like mother, his mom. I yeah, think it's his mom. she plays a note on the guitar, and the tidal wave splits in half, like by magic, you know. Yes, so I'm like very exciting. So I look. I'm forward excited to, about it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing a full trailer for this in the months to come. Uh, let's move on to our next trailer. I'm Max, and I'm the luckiest dog in New York because of her. Bye, Gidget. So long, Mel. See you later, Chloe. Good morning, Max. What's up, guys? Any plans today? I got big plans. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to wait for Katie to come back. Oh, I miss her so much. She's back! Hey, Maximilian! I have some big news. Oh, Max, 
This is Duke. He's going to be your brother. Chloe, Chloe, I got a bad situation. Katie brought home a psychopath from the pound. I don't even have a bed now. Ah! I'm sleeping on the floor like a dog. Duke is just ruining our lives. He's ruining. It's an emergency. Aw, <laughs> you little cutie pie. Hey, Max. I'm headed to the What's going on here? Mind your own business. Oh my gosh, what happened to you? We had a great thing going. I blame myself. Yeah, me too. I blame you a lot. We'll bust the both of you out of here, but from now on, you work for me. Advantage me! <laughs> Uh-oh. Just ignore what just happened, okay? <laughs> this is my city. I'll find you a friend. We gotta take the secret route. The secret route was death. Come on! We can find our way home. We are descended from the mighty wolf. Chuck, 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 Chuck. We have raw primal instincts. Hi, how are you? That are moments away from leading us home. Ah! Is it home that way? Seriously? The secret life of pets. Be a good boy, Leonard. Okay, now this one, the, the teaser really already had sold this movie for me. The Secret Life of Pets. I was already sold. I saw the teaser. It was hilarious. Uh, there were even clips that, before I even saw the teaser, there was clips of the uh, the dachshund getting uh, petted by the... Uh, um, like a little mix master. Mix, type like of a mix master. Yeah. Uh, I was seeing that show up somewhere, and I didn't know it was part of a movie. It was just kind of funny. Uh, but now we've got a full trailer out for this. I'm still sold that I'm going to have fun with this. Yeah, it's it's cute, and but now mm. we kind of know what the plot yeah. is. Which unfortunately is something I feel like I've seen it before, I, yeah. uh, like in Garfield. Yeah, it remind me of Garfield. Yeah, yeah, this is this is your typical buddy movie where oh I hate this guy, and then by the end of course they're going to be best friends. You know, by mm. the end because this is that little dog. Uh, what was the name? Max? Did they say? Yeah, Max. Little Max, the dog, who is just loves his master and nothing wants to get in between. And then she brings home another dog. And I, I'm guessing he seems to be this big doofus. He's this huge, shaggy, adorable looking dog. Fluffy, yeah. A big fluffy dog. And mm-hmm. it just, you know, apparently, I bet we're going to have a lot of time where it just wrecks his life. But then, you know, while they're out, something happens. They get lost, have a little encounter with some cats. End up in captured by animal control. They have lost their licenses, and it's going to be a journey home. While in the meantime, all their friends are on a mission to try to find them and are going to have an adventure of their own. I feel like I've seen this kind of story before, but that's okay. This looks still a whole lot of fun, and still our favorite bit is uh, when you hear the the heavy metal music. If you haven't seen this trailer, it's like this poodle. It's like, oh yes, he was being all dignified and proper. Then the master leaves, hits the stereo, and headbanging, and the chihuahua's jumping on the couch, and just <laughs> it's hilarious. I think it'll be entertaining in the um, sort of the uh, the dialogue of pets. You know, like this is yeah. typical pets. You know, the yeah. dogs sniffing each other and you know that kind of thing. cats being all uppity and just you know 
Uh, yeah, and then commentary e- on pets in general. An evil rabbit. Evil <laughs> you rabbit. You work for me now because I've set you free. <laughs> and what you also don't see is him taking a carrot and bzz, buzzsaw chewing it into a key to get them away from animal control. <laughs> so the the characters look a lot of fun. I'm still definitely I'm looking forward to this one as well. Even if I'm going to feel like I've seen it before, it's doing it in a different way, and I think it'll be a lot of fun and cute. Yep. I was in the hospital for a year when I was a kid. All the doctors said I should give up sports. Where do you think you're going, young man? The Olympics. You better take this. Put your medals in. Thanks, Mum. For as long as I can remember, it has been my ambition to become an Olympian. Eddie, you are not an athlete! I just needed to find the right sport. Britain hasn't had a ski jumper since 1929. I'm going to be a ski jumper. He's going to break his neck. I'm going to break his neck. The time to start jumping is when you're five or six. I heard you were a champion, so I was thinking maybe you could give me a few tips. Give up. There's one for free. Watch this guy, number two in the world. And he knew what he was doing. It's not actually going to jump, is it? You're not going to give up, are you? You want your moment, Eddie? you got to do this for real. Our strategy will best be described as ugly but effective. The Olympics is associated with certain qualities, excellence, achievement. They have no desire to associate with defeat. You're a disgrace to the sport. Good. Personal best! And we're a disgrace! Mr. Edwards. Your jump doesn't count. Because you just changed the rules. Don't I have a right to represent my country? No. My dream's turned into a nightmare. It's a world that doesn't want to know you. So what's new? The British Olympic Association is trying to stop me. I have to do this. The press all want to hear your story. I was kicked off every team I was ever on before I even got a chance to prove myself. I take jumping very seriously. Nearly as much as proving people wrong. And where do you think you're going? The Olympics. I thought you might need this. It's higher than you jumped before. Faster than you've gone before. You can break bones. You're lucky if you can walk again. As your coach, I think you're crazy. But as your friend, fly. Okay, so now this one is different. This seems more almost like the Disney inspirational type of story, but this is actually from 20th Century Fox. This is based off a true story and reminds me a little bit of Cool Runnings just a bit, and I'll tell you why. Eddie the Eagle. Yep. And uh, Cool Runnings, if you'll remember, was like the Calgary Olympics, and it was the first ever Jamaican bobsled team, and nobody thought anyone can make it. But now what we have is the true story of, uh, of Eddie. I don't know what his last name is. I did see on YouTube you can watch a little bit of footage of the real guy. But he, uh, you know, talks about being in a hospital for a, like a year, and he's had all kinds of problems, and he's just not very athletic. But he dreams of being in the Olympics, and he finds an, uh, a, something he can do on his own because he's never part of a team. Ski jumping, which... Is very very difficult, very very scary, and so oh, here's a guy yeah. who wants to do it. And wow, I was inspired just from the trailer of this. Oh, the, the trailer made me cry, <laughs> which is a good thing. Like if it's good, I'll cry. So yeah, yeah. And this looks like it's got just enough humor with Hugh Jackman as his coach. I'm not sure who's playing Eddie and everything, but uh, 
You know, the way they've got him, you know, he's not like the super attractive guy or anything. He's just this guy. He just looks like the kind of guy that, you know, like talks about in the trailer, like, I, you know, nobody ever really wants to know me. Nobody wants to include me. And like, he just looks like kind of one of those people that is really, you know, easy to overlook. But he's going to become an inspiration for all of Britain as he he fulfills his dream. So Mm -hmm. you kind of know where it's going to go. I don't know. And I don't want to find out until I mm-hmm. see the movie. I'm not going to look up anything about the mm-hmm. actual guy. But, you know, I don't know how he performs in the Olympics, but it looks to me like he gets there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we know he's going to make it. But, you know, watching the journey and watching him fail, but keep getting up and keep getting up. Uh, I'm, it's truly going to be an inspirational story. This is the going definitely on my I will go see this in the theater list. Zootopia, a gleaming city. Where animals of all breeds, predator and prey alike, live together in peace and harmony. Hi, I'm Judy, your new neighbor. Yeah, well, we're loud. Don't expect us to apologize for it. ZPD's first rabbit officer, Judy Hopps. You ready to make the world a better place? Bad news in this city gripped by fear. What can you tell us about the animals that went savage? Are we safe? This is Priority One. Hops. Parking duty. (laughs) Sir, I'm not just some token bunny. You strike out, you resign. Deal. Hello? I'm here to ask you some questions about a case. Then they should have gotten a real cop to solve it. You are under arrest. For what? Hurting your free wings? You are a key witness. No, he is. I need you to run a plate. All right, I know a guy. You need something done, he's on it. They're all slots? We are in a really big hurry. I am on it break. I have 36 hours left. We can only solve it together. It's not about how badly you want something. It's about what you are capable of. I am a real cop. Never let them see that they get to you. You bunnies. <laughs> so emotional. No, 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 no. Do not let go. I'm gonna let go. What? We may be evolved, but deep down, we are still animals. Quit it. You're gonna start a howl. No, you are naked. For sure. We're a naturalist club. All the way down. Life's a little bit messy. We all make mistakes. No matter what type of animal you are, change starts with you. We gotta go. Whose car is it? The most feared crime boss, Mr. Big. Is that Mr. Big? Stop talking, stop talking. Huh. Ice. Daddy! What did we say? No icing anyone at my wedding. I have to, baby. Daddy has to. Okay, so now we actually have some of the story for Zootopia. Yes. And as I've said before, you know, it's not like we haven't seen something like this before with animals that are all living together in a city. You know, it's it's ducktails. You know, it's that same <laughs> sort of thing. Uh, but this, of course, is finding a new and fun way to do it. And apparently the storyline is something is causing some of these animals that have apparently lived and got along, you know, prey and predator, you know, the, the lion lays with the lamb and all that. Something has gone wrong and some animals have suddenly started acting what they're calling savage again. And so you've got this great mystery and a little tiny little bunny who wants to be a cop that she's so tiny compared to like rhinoceros uh, cops that nobody really believes she can do anything because of her size. 
Which is another story. Like, we've seen it before. You know. Monsters University. Yeah. That's but what it reminds me of. But it's it's cute. You know, mm-hmm. you got little animals. And, and some of these movies, even though, yeah, it's, it's the same storyline, you just go along for the ride. And it's, I think it's going to be a good one. I think this will yeah. be, have lots of funny moments and lots of um, just, you know, cute animals, which is always good for me. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think they did a lot for in this trailer to really show you some of the humor and the nudist animals and stuff yeah. like that. And, and, sh- you know, and basically showing you, it's not anything that you're going to, oh my gosh, a naked animal. That's just the way we're used to seeing it. But the way they've got, they're bending over and doing yoga right there as, as Judy the rabbit is walking by like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, we get the joke, you know, so it's very, very, very funny. I'm pretty excited for this now, although, like I said, it does feel like Monsters Incorporated, including the dialogue from the Chief. It's like, it's not how much you really want something, it's what you're capable of, which actually is what the lesson the Monsters University put forward, like, mm-hmm. find out what you're actually capable of. Although I have a feeling this movie is going to try to give us a reverse message of, you know, no, keep dreaming, even if you're completely not capable, that maybe you're capable of something even if nobody else believes you are. I think it's probably the message they're going to get across here. Something like that, which reminds me a little bit of the Eddie the Eagle. It's kind of the same yeah. type of storyline. Yep. So definitely expecting this to be a good movie. And uh, this one actually, I believe, comes out in, uh, golly, was that March? I know in February is there any of the Eagle. Oh, I don't. Zootopia is coming soon. And in fact, there will be some Disney Infinity figures for this. But then, okay, now, after finally all these trailers, that's when the movie started. So now it's time for a movie review. Master Shifu? Good time? Bad time? Time is an illusion. There is only the now. So now's a good time? Oh. You must take the next step on your journey from warrior to teacher. But I'm no good at it. Oh no! It's the dragon teacher! He's so handsome! What the? Oh, hey, Dad. What's up? You're terrible at it. Are you? I'm looking for my son. Dad? Give your old man a hug! How do we know he's even related to you? Look at that! (laughs) Come with me. There's a secret panda village in the mountains. Welcome home, son. You look just like me, but a baby. You're like me, but old. Oh, he's adorable. I'm good. I have returned. Who? The master of pain, beast of vengeance, maker of widows. Okay, I used to work with Oogway. Oh, Master Oogway. Silence! (laughs) Kai attacked the valley. It's all gone. Now he's coming for the pandas. You must teach them to fight. I am ready. I'm gonna turn you into Kung Fu Masters. Hi! Nobody said this was gonna be easy. Get ready to dance with danger! Enemies of justice! Prepare for war! Are you kidding me? must be the dragon warrior. How about you spare me the chit chat? I'm going to take your uh, chit chat in the chitty chitty chat chat in... chat 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 in the chit chat. Ah! We've got to get in there. But Master Chief, you're seriously that... afraid? Even Master Chicken's going in there, and he's a chicken. Kung Fu Panda Three. 
I've loved this series. It's a good series. I, I I like a lot about it. Now the two, I I didn't think Kung Fu Panda two was maybe as good, but yeah. it's- I liked it. We only watched it I think one time. That's the I we don't own that one on DVD or anything. No. I need to correct that one. But I, I don't know that it's completely important to have seen two. This almost felt like it could have been the sequel directly to one. But mm-hmm. two helps to to bridge the gap of the story. And okay. Uh, well, there could be some potential spoilers here, so I'm going to go ahead and say this now. If you're afraid we might spoil something, go ahead and skip ahead. Uh, but they do mention, like in two, what happened to Post's family that you know they were wiped out by the evil peacock. I don't remember who he was. You know, he had blades for peacock feathers and stuff like that. But they don't. You don't have to have seen that to get because they do have a little flashback. Yeah, they flash it back to remind you of it. Uh huh, and, and give you the give you the pertinence. And and the same thing if you haven't seen uh, Kung Fu Panda the first one, um, they do have some you know a few little things that they mention in there that uh, you you don't have to have seen yeah. the first one to, Although to enjoy I, this. You probably would enjoy it more if you have seen the first one so yes. you understand Uguay a little bit more because uh, mm-hmm. we got a lot more with Uguay and uh, you know kind of wrapping some things up what I what I've really enjoyed about this and I didn't really see that they were doing that but when I thought about it oh wow they did they this now with between this trilogy and I think they wrapped it up to put a put a stop and say this is the completion story of Poe uh, because they've really kind of followed Joseph Campbell's hero's journey in the beginning, you know, he learned to become the warrior. He started as the, you know, he's he is an orphan hero because he's, although he is raised by a goose, his parents, he's lost his parents. So he does start mm-hmm. from that that type of beginning. And, you know, as, as a nobody, becomes the warrior. Second movie, he was the wanderer. He had to go on a journey uh, to mm-hmm. go and, and fight the evil. And in this one, he's now completing the journey by becoming the master teacher. And it's it's a really a lot of fun. I, I love the fact that uh, they did show that, you know, hey, you know, even though he he's, he's lost everybody, his father's still alive. We can get to meet his father. And we do have a fun, cute story between his father and, of course, his his daddy. You know, the goose, I can't remember the goose's name. Do you remember? I forgot. Um, no, I can't think of the so, goose's name. Voiced by either. James Hong, though, who's been yeah. another one. Love that character. Lots of fun. Oh, Always yeah. looking for ways to sell noodles. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, that's your your basic bits of the story, and of course we have a new villain who has come from the spirit realm, who is an ancient enemy of Ugwe, who has found a way to steal the chi. Now, uh, the chi, of course, is like this energy thing. The way they described it, it really reminded me of the Force a little bit. But uh, you know, we know that George Lucas did borrow a lot from like Buddhism and everything uh, for the Force and stuff like that. So it's kind of like that chi energy that's supposed to be in everything. And Poe needs to learn how to to focus his chi and be able to use it and then be able to teach others in order to defeat this new enemy, which the, 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 this uh, Kai is this new enemy. And he's this big, intimidating-looking, like, bull or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and nobody remembers him because it was 500 years ago, and that's part of the joke. And this is voiced by J.K. Simmons, better known as J. Jonah Jameson or the Farmer's Insurance Guy. And he, it, we know he's funny as heck. Mm-hmm. And he's this great character who's like, ah, yes, I am the Widowmaker, and he's all this great thing. And everybody he says this to always looks at him like, who? Wah, wah, wah. who are you? Yeah. <laughs> so it's very, very funny. Uh, this one, I'd say, was was this a little bit more aimed at kids, you think, more than what we're used to from Pixar? Um, I think it was, yeah, I think it was aimed more at kids. Um, but you've also got the the, ser- the cartoon series that's been on TV. On Nickelodeon. Um, so the kids may be watching that, and with that in mind, I, I feel like it did influence some of the things that were in the movie. And, like, you saw some uh, masters, you know, of kung fu from other places. Like, there was Alligators, a... Alligators. Uh, right yeah, is. a gator and a, a chicken and... <laughs> oh, um, yes, I love the chicken. What else? There were some other, like, you know, 
know, and and they probably showed up. I mean, I've seen a, a little bit of the series, mm-hmm. and they do have some various masters that do. You do appear. not have to have watched the series to understand the movie, by the way. Yeah, but it, if you have seen, like, if your kids have seen it, they may enjoy. Oh, okay, like I saw that, you know, character on on the series or something yeah. like that. But it doesn't. It doesn't. You don't have to have seen the cartoon in order to enjoy. You yeah. know, you get the enough of the idea. Oh, they're masters of kung fu. Oh, they were defeated. Oh man, this guy's. You know, the bad yeah. guy's really bad. Yeah. And so they did make a good, scary bad guy. He's also a very entertaining bad guy, and it is fun going through this journey with Poe and finding his father, finding all the other pandas, uh, even though they were minimal characters, but they were still enjoyable, the little pan- other pandas, because there's the guy who just loves to hug, mm-hmm. the, and uh, the little kids who are pretty much, I don't know what you would call this toy, but it's like a hacky sack, the way they're playing with it. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the ribbon dancer. You know, yeah, they um, they gave the the pandas enough character, you know, that you you would get attached to. You would enjoy them. Uh huh. They're and, not fully developed, but that actually does play to the um, the important parts of the movie on how they are trained and how they learn their kung fu. I mean, there's a there's a really good message here of finding out who you really are and who you are and being the best you that you can be. And you know, developing your own strengths. You don't have yeah. to be good in a way that somebody else is good. You be good at what you are naturally good yeah. at. So yeah, I mean that's it's it's got a really good message and it's a very very type of happy ending and uh, I I really wish it would have been longer because there's some story elements I think they could have gone on with uh, there's this adorable little baby panda that when Poe po first shows up it finds the little tigress figure that he has mm-hmm. and just loves it oh and you know I can't I can't stripey baby is stripey baby but then when tigress actually shows up in the village the little girl is just enamored with her. And, uh, you know, you do get to see a little bit of background of Tigress, of course. You know, she's, you know, don't hug me or anything. Yeah, you know? no touchy. <laughs> no touchy. And uh, you do see a change kind of going on in the background with her and this little girl. I would like to have seen some of that story a little developed and maybe get to see some interaction between Tigress and the little girl. Because uh, it would have been a fun, cute story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they really just kind of see that happen. You see it happening, but it's kind of, like I said, in the background. And I think they mm-hmm. could have... Stretch the movie. I could have sat for two hours of this. It was a lot of fun. There's, I, I laughed at a lot of stuff. Uh, it was really cute. There was a little boy kind of a few seats down from me. He had a little little plush Poe toy that he mm. came in with his parents, and and he was just uh, enjoying it. And but I think the shortness of it also goes back to your point of playing to the kids, the kids. like the yeah. you know little kids. They can't sit through a two hour movie. I mean, some of them can, oh, but Pixar I think is showing that you can. Uh, yeah, but um, generally children's movies are shorter. You know, yeah, and this felt more children than family. But mm-hmm. I think uh, grown-ups, if you enjoy a good Disney film, you'll enjoy this. Yes. I, don't, I wouldn't call this Pixar quality, but I call it a whole lot of fun. And I mm-hmm. think you're going to laugh. You're going to love it. And I, like I said, if you've enjoyed this It's enjoyable. This series, it is very it, enjoyable. It resolves things mm-hmm. very well. And who doesn't like Poe? He's just he's just lovable he is, character. Yes. And there's a great scene with him and his father going into the chamber where all these great historical artifacts are out there that you're not supposed to touch, and I won't say what happens, but it is it is comedy, genius, and gold, and I mm-hmm. wow, I just love the whole thing. It and I think that fun. too, if you've seen the first one, like you, you, you kind of get <laughs> you kind of get you know what what everything that happens there, and you know in the yeah. hall of the artifacts and things. And you say, yeah, you see exactly where Poe gets this from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so overall, definitely go and see this while it is in the theaters, because if you're a fan of Disney, you're going to be a fan of of Poe and the Kung Fu Panda and all the little characters. Two thumbs up, right? Two thumbs up, yes. Great fun, and uh, we'll be adding this to our collection when it comes out. He-Man and the Masters of the Universe will be back right after these messages. <laughs>
The kids of the 70s and 80s are all grown up, but the good times of childhood don't have to end. Our generation can share the fun and fandom of our youth with the next generation and bring the past into the future. And wrap it all up to make a fantastic present. Join Jedi Schwa and Shaz Bazaar every Monday morning to get your work week started by reminiscing about the past and exploring the future with your earbuds on Techno Retro Dads. So find us on iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, or on TechnoRetroDads.com, part of the Shot Glass Digital Network. Greetings and salutations. This is Dale and Andy from TheDCast.com. TheDCast is a YouTube channel, podcast, and blog about all things Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. So if you like your beignets hot, mixtapes awesome, your milk blue, then just keep swimming over to TheDCast.com. It's the only website that connects you to everything you love faster than Geppetto can send his son to school. So tune in and listen to the cutest podcast duo on the internet. The TheDCast. And now it's time for a Star Wars moment. There's been several theories about the identity of Rey in Star Wars The Force Awakens. And in my podcast listening this week, I first listened to Techno Retro Dads. You've heard me mention them before. I've had uh, both hosts on there at different times, uh, have come on to the Neverland podcast. I do enjoy the show. It's a wonderful show. And they had an interesting topic. Uh, They were talking about some of the the theories about who Rey could be. And one theory I had never heard of before was that Rey was the reincarnation of Anakin, that the Force itself caused it to try to correct the the imbalance that Anakin caused when he became Darth Vader. So everything's out of whack, and so the Force tries again to, you know, have a, a multi-powerful portion, so somebody who might have been born, you know, directly from the midichlorians or whatever. Uh, well, I have reasons that that theory is definitely wrong, um, and mainly because uh, some story things that you get in the movie. Uh, but I made a feedback, and I started working on a feedback where I got a couple of film clips and I've put them together, and I was going to submit that in some feedback on there to participate in that conversation. Plus, I wanted to share it with you guys because, I mean, it's fun. Uh, and then um, recently, I was listening to the DCast, and uh, where I'm actually working on, we're going to collaborate a show with the DCast. Uh, another show I recommend that's a lot of fun. If you're, you know, if you enjoy this show, I think you'll enjoy them as well. Uh, but uh, one of their hosts, Dale, cool guy, uh, has made, uh, he makes a lot of fun theory videos. Uh, and one of his theories is that Ray is Anakin's sister. Uh, and, and he's got some reasons for that, and uh, I'll talk about this a bit later. But first, uh, I, I submitted some feedback for them as well, because yeah, I like to participate in stuff as well. Uh, but let me play for you the feedback that I've already previously recorded, and I have sent to them, which if you listen to either of their shows, you'll probably hear this again. But here's what I re- previously recorded. Lately, I've been hearing a lot of different theories on who Ray might be, and I've heard some that I think are a bit far-fetched or... Or maybe don't take into account everything we learned in the Star Wars prequels. But uh, Rey from The Force Awakens, I've heard that she is the somehow the reincarnation of Anakin. Uh, or somehow another, like Darth Vader's sister, because the midi-chlorians might be trying to correct a mistake. Um, I don't know that this really fits with uh, what we've learned in the prequels. Uh, and I'll give you an example. Let's, let's listen to some dialogue directly from The Phantom Menace and Revenge of the Sith. The Force is unusually strong with him. That much is clear. Who was his father? There was no father. I carried him. I gave birth. I raised him. I can't explain what happened. Darth Plagueis, the Dark Lord of the Sith, 
so powerful and so wise, he could use the force to influence the midi-chlorians to create life. The dark side of the force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. He became so powerful. Unfortunately, he taught his apprentice everything he knew. Then his apprentice killed him in his sleep. Okay, now did you catch that? Somehow or another, the midi-chlorians had caused a virgin birth. Now, we then get a clue in episode 3 that Darth Plagueis learned how to get the midi-chlorians to create life. He then taught this to his apprentice who later killed him. We know that apprentice was Palpatine. Palpatine, of course, had designs of conquering the entire galaxy. He knew he needed an apprentice that was going to be more powerful than him, and he knew how to be able to draw power from that more powerful apprentice. So, choose a distant planet like Tatooine that nobody really pays attention to, that's not really part of the Republic, even though if it kind of is, but they even use their own currency. It's controlled by the huts. Choose a slave, an insignificant person. Cause the Midi-Chlorians to have her d- develop a child. So, of course, Palpatine could have done this. Now, maybe Plagueis did this. Maybe Plagueis had set this plane in motion before Palpatine. That's a possibility, but it seems more likely that, that Palpatine did this. And then, of course, when the time is right, oh, look, and when he first meets Anakin, he even says, ah, well, we'll look forward to your career with great interest. Palpatine knew exactly who that was. He knew what was going on. He had already prepared this from the beginning to have this as his new apprentice. And he immediately went to work and became influential in Anakin's life, later turning him to the dark side. And then when Anakin does fully be turn to the dark side and strike down Mace Windu, notice Palpatine as he's killing Mace Windu, cries out the power, the absolute power. Anakin's birth was caused by Palpatine influencing the midichlorians with the dark side of the force. That speech is almost like the I am your father. Except Anakin, maybe Anakin didn't know the details of his birth. Anakin just didn't catch what Palpatine told him. Palpatine, you know, kind of deceived him and led him to believe that he didn't know how to maybe extend the life of Padme. But he may have known how to do that as well. He kind of makes a promise to Anakin that, oh, together, we'll find out how to do that. No, he knew he needed to have Padme gone. He knew Padme had still been alive and told Vader, oh, no, well, you killed her. He knew she was alive at the time, although she did pass away in childbirth. So then, who is Rey? I don't think she's the reincarnation of Anakin at all. That that doesn't make sense to me. It's far more likely, if she's anyone's child... Could be Luke's child. That's that. I that's not a bad possibility. I kind of lean towards her being Han and Leia's, and uh, you know perhaps she was hidden away. Maybe had her mind kind of wiped a little bit. Maybe she had already begun a little bit of training when she was a child because they do want to start early. We see that in the prequels. Maybe some part of her mind was kind of wiped so she wouldn't remember, but it started to come back as that lightsaber called to her, and so wh- that's maybe why she was able to quickly you know, learn how to use the force to manipulate a mind. Maybe she had already learned a part of that and it was it started to awaken within her. Because you now we know Kylo was not the you know, the main guy of the Knights of Ren. Perhaps though the Knights of Ren had come and had taken Ben Solo away and they hid Ray away to keep her from following the same fate. Which could mean that she, you know she's Kylo's sister or they could be cousins. Either way Kylo Ren seems to know there's something significant about a girl on Jakku when you watch The Force Awakens. 
So there is definitely something significant there. Although it's a lot of fun to speculate, uh, we're going to find out a lot more when that next movie comes out, and I'm excited to find out. Okay, now, uh, after I sent that, I was talking to Dale a little bit. I hadn't gotten to see his entire theory of the the Anakin and Ray being brother and sister in some fashion. Uh, but he's got a really neat video, and if you go to look on YouTube and search for Decast, you can find they've got all kinds of fun videos, and I even shared on our Facebook feed, he's got a fun video on Elsa is Evil, which I thought was hilarious, it's very fun. Uh, but he does do a lot of thinking to, to come up with these theories, so they're very fun to listen to. Uh, he's even got an interesting theory you might want to look into about Riley from Inside Out being adopted, which <laughs> I think is fun, but I, I think is it's just all in fun. I wouldn't take it that serious. I think I think it's just kind of humorous and it doesn't really affect the outcome of the story but uh, I, do, I do enjoy the theory uh, but uh, I did want to go through into what some of the things he says that of where Anakin and Ray might be related um, now he t- comes from the angle where Plagueis is somehow al- alive in a Voldemort fashion he, he says in his video and that the somehow or another he's able to be reborn and cloned from the ashes of Darth Vader like somebody would have laid claim to the ashes to bring him back uh, which I, I was kind of curious about that, so I did a little research, and yeah, the, you know, they have ways. They can find trace amounts of DNA in ashes as long as you have some bone material or something like that, and somebody did go and check those ashes because they do have the helmet there. You know, Kylo Ren does have the helmet. Uh, the thing is, is the DNA you're going to get would be strictly Anakin, and Anakin's DNA comes strictly from Shmi Skywalker because when if you go from the idea that Plagueis created Anakin... None of his DNA ever touched the situation. He used the force to cause the midichlorians, because you know, everybody apparently has midichlorians. Yeah, it's funny in his videos, he calls it the M word that cracks me up every time. Um, but, you know, so it's only going to have Shmi Skywalker's DNA because it's, it's her midichlorians are going to cause her to suddenly give birth. There's no DNA of Plagueis in Anakin whatsoever. So if you get the ashes of Darth Vader, you might get some Anakin DNA, but maybe somebody could just try to clone Anakin and create Rey that way. Who know that's a possibility, I suppose, if you wanted to look at that. But that does not make them brother and sister. That makes her a clone. Um, the, but the, some other things he brings up in this video, which I, I thought is interesting, I because I have not seen this toy. I know there was a novel called Darth Plagueis, but unfortunately it's no longer considered canon. But a toy was made of Darth Plagueis, and he does have a staff, which kind of looks similar to Ray's, which is kind of fun. That is a nice type of thing. Um, but, you know... A, staffs don't have to all be different. I, it could be, you know, same type of make a staff and you could be looking similar and it doesn't really look as evidence. One thing he also brings up, which is, it's fun and I have heard this before, is that when you listen to the music in the episode three, when Palpatine is talking to Anakin and telling all the story of Darth Plagueis, there's this music in the background, which is the opera going on. It is, uh, a, you could call it a source music. It is coming, you know, it's, it's not scoring. It is the opera. Uh, but there is some similar music going on uh, in a scene with Snoke. Now, if you listen to Star Wars Oxygen from Rebel Force Radio, and I've been recommending it probably for several weeks now, but David Collins does address this, and he plays them back-to-back. And although you do have some lone tones, and you could say that there's a similarity, it is not the same music, and part of it, he bases, uh, part of Dale's theory, he does base this thinking that it's the same music. But it's not identical. But it is similar enough. Um, so overall, I if... 
If Rey was created in all in any fashion like this, she's either a clone of Anakin, but that would not make her brother and sister with Anakin. Uh, she doesn't have any Shmi Skywalker relation. She is not at all related to Darth Plagueis, even if you know, even if Snoke was Plagueis. But J.J. Abrams did say no that you know he's not because he, this theory started coming up there that oh you know I think we would love to hear that Snoke was Plagueis. We'd like to see some more of Plagueis. So I, I can understand the fan wanting it, but J.J. Abrams did say that no, this is not this is you know Snoke is a different person, and it's possible you know that the. the the knowledge of how to create life, if it was kept, you know, because the, the Jedi and the and the and the Sith both would have these holocrowns where they could store their data, and only somebody with uh, light of side or dark side could open it to get this knowledge. If Palpatine at some point had stored this knowledge, or Plagueis had stored this knowledge in a Sith holocron, then maybe Snoke's could have opened it, and maybe he could have caused the midi chlorians and whoever's raised mother is caused another virgins. That is definitely a possibility. Uh, or it's also, I think, very possible that she is either Han and Leia's daughter or Luke's daughter. I'm kind of leaning towards Han and Leia myself because I do think that she does kind of look like um, like or Leia. And uh, you know, one of the other things Dale likes to bring up, and this is also good, is her inclination and, and talent with machines, which is man- manages Anakin and also her piloting skill. She, she seems similar to where Anakin, where, you know, because of the Force... Anakin is able to, you know, pod race, and he's the only human that can do it, and she's able to, you know, pilot the Millennium Falcon, which, okay, so the Force can enable a human to do a pod race. It's he, He's able to see things before they happen. That's why Anakin's doing the pod race. It's not necessarily that he's, you know, special, other than he's very powerful. We know that. But it's the Force that enables him to do it. But being able to pilot the Millennium Falcon does not require some special ability from the Force. It requires knowledge. And we've basically, we learned that she has gained all kinds of knowledge of machines and, 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 and of course, you know, being a scavenger, she's broken down a lot of machines for parts and she's worked all these parts and knows what they all do. So obviously she's going to understand the technical make out of these things and probably has learned to fly it in all of her years of being a scavenger with all these parts. So I don't take that as a similarity to Anakin in the same fashion. Now, of course, she does have, she's our focal character. So she has that similarity with both Luke and Anakin. So where she's going to be our focal character and she's going to have a few characteristics, both similar to Luke and Anakin. And so it's possible that she might be a relative in the Skywalker family, which still means means that she could be Luke's daughter or Leia's daughter because she'd still be related in that Skywalker family. So there's similarities, but I there's I don't think there's really any true evidence to say that you could call them a brother and sister in any fashion because, yeah, you'd have to have at least the same mother to pass that certain type of DNA or in that certain position. Uh, so that's, that's, yeah, I don't think that works, <laughs> at least not in my head. But I wanted to weigh in and I wanted to hear what you guys think about this because you know, there's a lot of fun different theories going around. Some of them I think are as goofy as um, where they've tried to tie the Little Mermaid, Tarzan, and Frozen all together be- because of a shipwreck type of thing. <laughs> you know, some theories are really far-fetched. And you know what? It's all in fun. We're all we're fans. We come up with these crazy theories. Heck, I had a, a theory and an idea and a prediction that Luke Skywalker was going to be killed by Kylo Ren in The Force Awakens. You can find that on our news feed. And I was wrong about that. So, you know, we frequently are wrong with our theories, but it's fun to come up with those. So uh, I would want to hear, though, from you, maybe some Ray theories that you have. Because maybe you've thought of something kind of interesting, just as long as you use something from the movies to kind of back up your thoughts, you know? 
Uh, it's all in fun. I'd love to hear from you. So yeah, send those into podcasts at neverlandpodcast.com. In fact, I've got a brand new contact page at neverlandpodcast.com that you can go to there and you can enter some information. You can send a message directly that way if it makes it a little easier. Visit, visit the website. It's also now easier if you go to the Neverlanders page and you want to become an official Lost Boy or Pixie, I've got a form right there that you can fill out to let me know what your Pixie or Lost Boy name would be and why. So I've made things hopefully a lot easier, a lot more streamlined. So visit Neverland podcast.com and you can do that and when we get to our feedback section we do have a new lost boy i will tell you all about in fact let's go ahead and get to that feedback right now neverland feedback Okay, first off, we have a new official Lost Boy, and it's a guy I've actually known for a good long time. It is James, and he sent us an email, uh, and this is now, I've, like I said, I've simplified it. If you go to NeverlandPodcast.com and simply cl- click on Neverlanders, there's a form you can fill out to send the email. Uh, but he has chosen the Lost Boy name, Pixie Man. His reason he chose this name, I love pixie dust. Keeping it simple, but the welcome to Lost Boy Pixie Man James. All right. Have some great feedback this we- this week. It's not the, the common type of thing. It's not like I got any emails or any new reviews this week. But oh, it was just a great week, <laughs> you know. Just I still enjoy this the, the little interactions I get. But from Chris and Letty Rivera of the Baku Pet Spa, it's at Baku Pet Spa on Twitter. They uh, have a I guess they mainly focus on dogs, but uh, I guess they do like dog grooming and they share some videos of uh, like you know shampooing and washing off dogs and stuff. It's fun. Uh, but it was really flattering to be amongst this list. But they shared a list of. Um, of some different shows that they like to listen to of uh, some podcasts and everything. And they mentioned, of course, Skywalking Through Neverland, which I call them my cousin podcast in Neverland, you know, uh, the Disney movie review, uh, Disney dose and all aboard the Disney railroad window to the magic, the Diz unplug ears up and the Diz geek podcast. And amongst that list was the Neverland podcast. And I, I, I just love it when you let me know you're listening. Uh, so thank you so much. Uh, that's, I, I, I really appreciated that when I did see that, that tweet come out. I, I don't know. It just makes me feel good. Uh, it was very, very nice. So thank you for listening and, and sharing with others that you're enjoying the show. That's That does it. It really makes me feel good. Um, also, something else that was really cool. This was posted up by the Jurassic Park Podcast at Jurassic Park Pod. Uh, now, I've never listened to this show. I'm going to have to start listening because I do enjoy the Jurassic Park movies. I'm not sure what all they can do on the podcast. I, I'm about to find out. And maybe I should go check it out, too, because, you know, you've only got... Uh, I guess we've got what four movies now? <laughs> yeah, four movies and a couple of books. You know, so I don't know what all you do for material. I mean, I, there's a lot of stuff I, I guess I could think of because how neat would it be if maybe they can talk some to different paleontologists about some different dinosaurs? This could be an educational show. I don't know. Go check it out. I'm going to check it out this week. Uh, but they let me know that there was a the, the iTunes What's Hot list. Uh, and I guess we were helped out. There's a at Potter and family. You might want to go and check out this thing on Twitter too. It's uh, I guess it's a lot of podcasts that are all kind of helping each other out. And we're, I'm supposed to hashtag Potter and family uh, to kind of share and we're becoming this big group. But um, so Jurassic Park podcast back, back on topic shared this what's hot list and we were ranked number two. And I say we, cause I mean that, I mean, I, I, 
this isn't just my work alone. This is, of course, all of my co-host team that helped me out. Uh, I mean, Eric has went back to Disneyland. He's recorded more audio, so you're going to hear that in the coming days. I mean, and, and of course, Rick, who writes these really cool articles for the website. And I've got another one I need to actually publish that so that I get this show out. You're, there's going to be another one for some more uh, DCTV Easter eggs. I mean, I have a lot of people that help me out with the show, but you help me out a lot with your reviews and stuff like that and spreading the word out there, telling others about the Neverland podcast. Your efforts are what made this happen. You have got me onto the iTunes hot list. You have done this. And I really want to thank you for it and ask you to just keep going. Keep sharing it with other people, the retweets and sharing it on Facebook, telling your friends, listening to it at work and sharing it with others. However you do it, that's that's awesome. Uh, and I, I love that you're doing that. Thank you so much for getting me onto the What's Hot list with the, the Neverland Podcast. This is a really we did it. And also, I'm going to go ahead and share this feedback, even though it came from our, our good buddy, Lost Boy Jesse. And it's a, he says, solid review of Tom Amin's album. That counts as some feedback, even if he's part of the show. He, I guess he really liked that review. Hopefully Tom got to hear that and enjoyed that as well, because I really am enjoying this album. I played it for Heather yesterday in the car, and she really enjoyed it too. If you have not yet picked it up, make sure you go and pick it up through CD Baby or at his website, TomAminMusic.com. Uh, really, really great stuff. And also, you know, I, I just want to thank everybody, you know, with the show, because I'm getting to meet so many new people, because like this week, I've gotten to to meet, you know, Dale that I was just talking about, uh, more people who do other great shows, and Dale, he's he's a cool guy, I'm, I'm really liking his videos, and, uh, you know, stuff like that, uh, and, you know, getting the opportunity, hopefully, to talk to them very soon, I haven't gotten to meet his co-host, Andy, but that's part of the fun of what doing this, is I've met so many people like Eric, and Jesse, who have become part of the show, and then getting to talk to Paul Barry, and stuff, you know, other podcasters, you know, getting to be a part of this community, uh, and, and with you guys, I mean, it's really, it's been a wonderful thing. I'm, I'm just really excited. I'm getting to meet new people this week. That's really cool. And getting to talk to and uh, share some cat videos, even with the, uh, the Rivera's there, with their, they're mainly dog people. I figure, you know, they'd like a cat photo too. And I did share those on my Facebook page. Um, and I do think I need to have some meetups and I haven't really done that yet. Uh, I mean, I have met up with a, a listener, uh, at when I go every year to TuneFest up in Marceline, but when I'm kind of there and it's just a one-on-one, -on -one, it's just me and the other person, I'm, I'm awkward. <laughs> I'm not very good at that. I can go and talk to large groups of people and be just fine, but you get me on the one-on-one -on -one and I'm like, awkward. So, uh, and I need to work on that. But I, I do think maybe we can get a meetup thing going for anyone who's going to come to Planet Comic Con here in Kansas City. And you're going to hear me talk about this in some next, uh, things that I'm going to share. Uh, we have a guest that Jesse found. It's an old friend of Jesse's and, uh, he's making this really cool product. And uh, I want you to hear all about it but uh, first you know if, if you're planning to come to planet comic-con here in kansas city i mean gonna stan lee's gonna be here and a bunch of other guests i plan on talking about this a lot more in the future but i'm thinking maybe we would have a meetup there it would be nice to kind of meet some of you guys uh at, at some of the panels and stuff like that uh so if you're planning to come to planet comic-con uh, let me know go to neverlandpodcast.com and go into our contacts page and send an email or or tweet me or something like that uh it would be kind of fun maybe i should set up an event uh let me know what you all think but I do now want to share some great audio with you uh, that uh, was recorded earlier this week and uh, something really cool that you can go and buy right now at ducktuff.com. Okay, I have one more piece of uh, fun for you, and I'm going to close the show with this. We're going to break a little bit outside of the Disney mold here, uh, which we kind of did with our movie review today. But uh, 
the um, Universal Studios Orlando has, I guess this has been going on for a few years and I didn't know about it, but they do a Harry Potter celebration. Reminds me a lot of the Star Wars celebration that's been going on as well. Uh, But they've done it right there in the park and they have an expo and all this type of thing. And they've been live streaming here over the weekend in the evenings, uh, all kinds of different fun. And I've got the audio that they've, it's posted on their YouTube if you want to go and see it. But I've got the audio of a panel they had with some of the cast of the Harry Potter films, and they do a kind of a celebrating the Harry Potter films. And then they also talk a little bit about Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, parts one and two, which is a stage play that's going to be happening in England or the United Kingdom. Uh, and hopefully it will tour to the United States. Um, we'll see. You know, I, I would like to be able to see both parts. I'm not sure where this is going to go. Uh, it was some, it was some story ideas from JK Rowling and somebody else actually wrote the play. Uh, so this is kind of cool. And they'll talk about that. Plus the also upcoming fantastic beasts and where to find them. Uh, so that's going to be the remainder of bits of our show. And we are going to run long today because it was just so much fun to have. And, uh, I do plan on, uh, sharing some of my experiences I've been having with Disney infinity, but I think that can wait until next week as, uh, I've been having a heck of a time building stuff. Uh, but I'd like to hear also from you as, as well, if with Disney Infinity, what are some of the things that you've experienced with trying to create a new toy box or a game? Uh, have you found it easy, difficult? You know, how have you been doing? Is there something maybe that you've made you're really proud of and you've opened it up to share and that we can download and try out? Let us know here at the Neverland Podcast and we'll tell all the other players that listen all about it. And in fact, uh, if you look, there is a Neverland podcast group through the PS4 uh, that I have a group, you know, that we play uh, Disney Infinity. It hasn't been super interactive. I haven't posted a whole lot, and it's still kind of new and kind of small. But, you know, if you'd like to join that, that would be awesome. Just look us up within, you know, they have, like, groups on the on the PS4. But I would like to hear from you on things that you've made that you maybe you'd like to share or maybe some frustrations or victories you've had. Once again, send those emails, and you can go straight to the NeverlandPodcast.com website and go to the contacts page and fill out a little email form, and it'll get right to me and we will share it with everybody but without further ado let's get into some more fun content to disney and beyond all right neverlanders uh we're gonna do something fun here we have had from time to time different type of creative artist type people uh we've had people who've uh, been making lego labyrinth sets and stuff like that uh fan films you know different creative people are always fun to bring in to see what type of things that they've created and especially when they sell it so you can actually get a hold of some of the creations and so jesse has brought an old friend of his which i'm gonna let him introduce Everybody, I'd like to introduce my friend Joel from Duck Tuck. Duck Tuck. Yeah, D U C T T U F F. It is a tongue twister. Yeah, you sound it like is. it. Well, yes. we'll put a link yes. in the show notes, so make it a lot easier for people to awesome. find it. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now that we've said it, Joel, what is it? What are you selling? Well, I am selling uh, wallets uh, made from comic books. The the name suggests my where I started out with I started making out the started out making duct tape wallets but it's <laughs> progressed into yeah I, mean, I uh, do the uh, comic book wallet thing they sell a whole lot better so but yeah well, the sure <laughs> of course right but, yeah so you're taking so, actual pages from actual just comics like you go to the comic shop right. buy a few issues tear the pages out and start making stuff. I, Pull the staples out, and each page becomes a wallet. I, uh, I laminate it with a real high-end uh, adhesive laminate, and I pull them into a wallet design. I sew them, so it's, uh, it's really durable. And uh, yeah, 
a uh, so light hotcakes right now. <laughs> <Doing well. laughs> yeah, I saw on your website you have a lot of Deadpool uh, items right now, which, of course, with the movie coming out, I'm sure those are selling like hotcakes. Yeah, you always have to be on the lookout for what's coming out next and stock up. So now you have to start getting some Batman versus Superman type of stuff. Get ready right. to go. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yeah, oh my goodness. Look out for that. So how did you figure out you can make a wallet out of uh, out of paper like that? Well, I guess it's well, more of a magazine like, print these days. Yeah, I suppose the high gloss and stuff, but I can do it even out of the old like newsprint stuff. But uh, well, I started out, you know, making the duct tape things, and then. My uh, my wife was out uh, thrift storing one day, and she comes home with like like seriously like three long boxes full of comics that she got for like twenty five bucks. Wow. <laughs> so, so I was like I was like man, so I read some and I thought about trying to resell some online, and she's like, why don't you try you know incorporating some of this into your wallets? And I could not come up with a way that seemed right that would actually work, but it uh, it took me a while. And uh, eventually, I was, you know, I uh, figured out a way. It's just, yeah, the, uh, I was trying to, I was, you know, because I was hung up on the duct tape thing, I was trying to figure out, how to, you know, just slap a picture on the cover of the duct tape wallet, and it was, yeah, that was no good. So, but yeah, just laminating them and sewing them ended up being a, making a really solid wallet. And I have people... I put myself out of business almost because I, I have people coming back that are like, hey, my wallet, I got it two years ago, and I still works, and <laughs> they don't buy anymore. So I need to keep continually expanding the market because anybody who buys one, uh, well, they come back for, for gifts and stuff for friends. But uh, the wallet will last a long time. <laughs> Darn it, make them flimsy for crying out loud. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I need some kind of thread that'll disintegrate after a year or something. But Yeah, yeah that's, that's every wallet I've had. That's kind of the way it works. It starts to disintegrate after about a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got a buddy at work that's been using his for three, and it's like a daily driver. He uses that thing. It's still going strong. So. <laughs> Now, can anyone request like they they want of a particular issue made into a, like the way a I, wallet? Right. The way I do requests is uh, you ship me the comic you want. I'll make the page you want into a comic book, and uh, and I keep the rest of the comic. And that's and then I charge just regular price for custom work that I do for any of my other stuff. And then I just kind of I keep the rest of the comic as sort of the, the custom work fee. So yeah, you can if you can get me the comic, I can make you a wallet out of it. Because I really have like a, a couple of duplicates of some Star Wars comics, and I'm starting to get ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right on. Mm. Just hit me up on uh, my Etsy site. Just tuckduff.com will get you there, and uh, we can uh, talk it over. Yeah, that might be an idea, and because I I had the thought at some point, you know, it would be fun to have another Neverland giveaway, and maybe you know, oh, look, I've got a duplicate of I think what issue number three of the current Marvel Star Wars series. But mm -hmm. uh, about how many pages does it take to make one wallet? It takes one full page, as in the two stuck together, so like two pages, right? So you you pull the staples in, and each pull the staples out, and each page is you know two stuck together. So it just takes one of those turns into a wallet how about how many wallets can you make from one comic um what's well about as many as the like 15 ish 
Wow. Yeah. Yeah. They're like 14 bucks a piece. <laughs> Joel, are you a comic fan or are you just using the comics because they're available to you? I, uh, a little bit of both. Um, I was, I've never been hardcore into comics. You know, I've read them, but, uh, it's, it's mostly just kind of happened. It kind of came together. It's, at this point, I'm trying not to get into them because I got to ruin them. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? But, you know, I read, I read a few. And I'm like, I can't make wallets out of those. I'm going to set those aside. And it's like, man, the more I read, the the less I can keep doing this. So I'm almost <laughs> trying to distance myself from a love of comics so I can keep the business going. <laughs> you just have to buy two copies of every issue you want to read. Yeah, so right. One to keep. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're right. That would cover yeah. the cost, right? It would be like getting free comics. Yeah. I know, Joel, I've, I've been following your work for a while on Facebook. Obviously, we've, we've been friends mm-hmm. for years and years, decades. But yeah, um, we go way back. So yeah. I, We go way back. But you had something happen recently with your comics. Tell me about, about that experience. Oh, well, yeah. Like, I, was, uh, I was actually at my, uh, my local game store the other day, and uh, all of a sudden, like, my, my, I get an alert on my phone every time I sell a wallet, and I sold, like, four wallets while I was just sitting there for like an hour and a half on what's going on. So I got an, an email from Etsy saying there's been a huge jump in traffic toward your site, so you're probably being featured somewhere else. So I did a little research and found out that somebody put one of my wallets on BuzzFeed. So it's, it's like a, an article that's like uh, Calvin and Hobbes themed things that you can get on Etsy. So it was that was mixed in with a bunch of other stuff. But, uh, yeah, so I had some Kelvin Hobbs things on there, too, along with the more traditional comic book stuff. And, the, yeah, I've sold, like, 20-plus wallets in the last two days. So, so yeah, wow. BuzzFeed is really, like, sending a lot of stuff my way. So I've been scrambling all day here to get more made because I'm about sold out. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's going well the last couple of days here. Does it help that it's a, a certain size or certain dimensions uh, for the pages? Because, uh, you know, I've got like some old calendars that uh, I just kind of keep them around because they're like Star Wars and Lord of the Rings or whatever. And I'm just like, well, you know, it's kind of almost collector role. You know, it's it's got cool pictures on right. it. I've just had right. the thought, well, what if, you know, you could slice off the photo and then make a wallet out of those? Well, yeah, I've, I've made some uh different alternative materials, you know, in, in this design. With, when people ask me for custom jobs, I generally just say it's, it's comic book only because I've worked my, my pattern down into exactly the size of a modern comic book. And I can, if, it's, if a piece is larger than that, you know, I can deal with it. But then you run into, like, uh, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a three by eight and a quarter inch wallet. You know, and then so you say half of that is going to be the cover of it because, you know, you don't want your main um, subject folding down the middle and looking silly. So <laughs> yeah. So when you're working with something like a poster, you know, you, you're like, oh, I want this guy's face on the front page. But you get like uh, eye and a nose, you know, <laughs> if you're working with yeah. something that's too big. So it's like the uh, the standard comic book size really works well for this. Uh, so now larger if- than that. Yeah, it takes it takes some work. So if somebody had like an original design, some artwork that they had done that they wanted you to make into a wallet, as long as they could, you you do you have it listed to the exact dimensions, and so maybe they could print it up or something in those dimensions and send that to you for a custom design. If 
as it stands now, if somebody asks me for to do custom work that is not a comic book, I I just don't do it because it's for you know I mean with my pattern, I sit down with a comic, you know I bust out fifteen you know in a very short time, and if I have to slow down to do you know you know cutting chunks out and redesigning and working around you know a custom piece that I'm not asking extra money for, it just it's like uh, you know, business from a business standpoint, I could be making a lot more product, you know, and selling a lot more product if I just didn't do that piece. So <laughs> try yeah. to keep it comic book only at this point. Has anyone sent uh, some like some old vintage '80s comics at you that are still like the newsprint? Oh yeah, yeah, I do. I, I mean, I have a bunch that I make wallets out of. Yeah, I, newsprint works just fine. It doesn't have to be the the modern gloss stuff. Yeah. Just, just don't tell me you've ever done Action Comics number one. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, yeah, I just that when I first well, when Kirsten first brought home all these comics, I you know I looked them up and I couldn't find anything that was really worth anything. You know, you got to go back to, you know, even seventies aren't worth all that much. You got to get back to the sixties before the stuff starts getting a really good price tag on it. And when you consider. Yeah. You know, I make like fifteen out of one comic, and I get like fourteen dollars a piece plus shipping. It's like it's got to be worth a lot before it would really keep me from tearing it apart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the reason why a lot of those older comics are so valuable is because of the destruction of a lot of the comic books. You know, from like there were censor groups that thought that they were dis- mm. destroying youth. So what you're actually doing by destroying comics and turning them into wallets, you're making my comics more valuable. Well, that is a great way of looking at it. (laughs) (laughs) So not only are you making a fun product that you can get, so you get your comics on a wallet, you're making my comics more valuable. You're just you're just serving. I'm helping the collectors. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) I also know you do you do you do games also, like you make right, right, yeah, like in fact, yeah, like when I was. uh, the, uh, my local game store, my phone started going crazy for these sales. That's what I was doing. Uh, right now, I'm trying to promote a uh, a card game that I'm making up. I'm uh, working on. Actually, it's it's done. It's it's out there. It's ready to buy. I just uh, I, I don't know anything about the promotional aspect of things or how to get people to 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 know it even exists. But yeah, I've got this great like when my I like Pokemon. And when my kids were young, my youngest daughter was a little too young to play it. So, uh, so I devised my own in the same vein of you know a creature battling kind of game with Pokemon like or Yu-Gi-Oh or something like that, where it's it's uh, it's a simplified, it's easy to pick up for parents and kids, and it's uh, strategic enough that adults enjoy it, and it's easy enough kids can play it, and uh, um. But it goes up to like five players, so like the whole family can sit and play. Oh, and cool. uh, man, the people. What's the it called? That are, it's called Roughhousers, and it's on the GameCrafter dot com right now. It's, it's it's ready to go. It's dialed in. It's uh, getting good reviews by the people that that I take it to to play. But uh, they don't have to buy it because I bring it. My <laughs> <So, laughs> <laughs> thing, yeah. I just you know I love making games. Uh, I'm working on another one now, but it's uh, it's like I I don't know anything about the promotional aspect of it, getting people to actually, you know, know it's there and they can buy it. So 
I uh, show up to show up to the game stores, and the kids are like, "We want to play roughhousers." So, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, kids are loving it. Oh well, yeah. This is a good opportunity now for people to hear that it exists. So, uh, is this available yeah. for purchase on the website you mentioned? Yes, yes. So I can give you a link if you want to put it in the description or whatever. Certainly, certainly. Yeah. So we'll put ducktuff.com on there. Heck, we'll put a direct link to your Etsy store. Or is that what DuckTuff does? That take you straight to the Etsy store? Yeah, it's a redirect. Yeah, ducktuff.com will redirect you to my Etsy site. And then the game can be found at what was this site? It's it's on the GameCrafter, the GameCrafter.com. And then you can look for Roughhousers spelled with a Z. Or else it's uh, the direct would be the gamecrafter.com slash games slash R O U G H dash R O U Z E R S. All righty. And oh, of course, me, by sending H O U H O U Z E R S. There we go. And if you send me some direct links, I'll make sure we put those in the show notes yeah. so people can go and check Let's it out. So. Now that you've gotten to where you, you can make wallets out of these comic things, have you uh, started thinking about other different types of things you can make? Because uh, uh, when you go to a, like a comic convention, it, you always get all these tote bags and everything, and it's very convenient to have mm-hmm. a bag that, to carry all your stuff. Have, so you know, if I had a bag that had like was made out of comic book pages, I could just draw all kinds of attention to myself, right? which is good for me because yeah. you know, I'm usually there promoting the podcast and working. So have you thought about making some bags? I've actually gone the opposite direction. Like when I first started, I made just a variety. I had all kinds of different things um, out there. You know, I tried this, I tried that. Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, you know, I did like purses and clutches and lots of different things. And there are different kinds. There are different business models. And but I have found the one that works best for me is consolidation. You just find that product. That looks good. That's simple. That's easy to make. That you can mass produce. Sells for a good price. And that's what I found. And so I actually, it's worked best for me not to expand my product line out. And it may change in the future. Once you know, everybody who wants one has one, and it's lasting years. And I'll have to change it up. <laughs> it's like everybody's already got a wallet. Dang it! <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> when I've saturated the planet. Yeah. And if I if I specialize in one thing. I know it's good. It's dialed in. I've, you know, I've, I've experimented. And I've got it. I've got the product as good as it can get, and I, I can stand behind that. You know, if somebody buys it, I know they just bought something good. If I, you know, if I'm trying different things, somebody buys it, and I'm like, uh, you know, I tried it. Hopefully, it works for you. You know, you, you want to be able to stand behind your product, and that's yeah, that's what I've got now. You know. Very true. Very true. Especially, you know, if somebody goes into a comic shop, though, and they pull out one of these wallets to pay for whatever, you know you can get some attention. So as long as everybody's, like, remembering where they got that thing from, this should drive in a lot of business, I think. Right. I mean, that's yeah, a perfect place yeah. to pop that wallet out. It's like, oh, look, what is how did you get your wallet made like that? Well, let me tell you. Exactly, right. And what is awesome is when you see somebody – pull a wallet out that you made and you don't even know that person. Does that happen on a couple of occasions? It's <laughs> awesome. Somebody pulls that wallet up. Hey, where'd you get? I made that. <laughs> then, then, then you feel big time. Then you're like, oh yeah, I've made it. 
But especially would be awesome if you go to like a some sort of I don't know comic convention and you see like some celebrity person who pulls out their wallet for whatever reason and showing it off. Like, hey, you see this wallet I bought online? And you can be like, I made that. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> that that should be our goal now. Right. Oh, oh I, I'm not saying that this could happen. But uh, here at uh, Planet Comic Con here in Kansas City, Stan Lee has been confirmed that he's going to be there. Now, boy, I tell you, if if I get to where I get to meet and greet with him, and I can get uh, all the, the flag bag, and, the wallet, <laughs> and then have him show it off, check out this wallet that came from this one website this guy gave me. <laughs> that would be awesome. Put a giant logo on the front of the thing. Giant freaking logo. Find a Spider-Man comic or something, you know, one of his characters on here for him to carry. Not saying this will happen, but I'm I'm just thinking if things line up, (laughs) it's something to shoot for. Right. So I'm going to see if we can make this happen because I'm hoping they're they're having a, a drawing type of thing where, you know, all these people who have, you know, liked their Facebook page and whatnot, they're going to go through and choose some random people to win uh, the prize to do the mm. definite meet and greet with Stan Lee. So now if I win this, I'm going to let you know, and we're going to make Stan Lee a wallet, and we're going to give it to Hey, him. right on. <laughs> let me know. Yeah. But yeah, this is a very fun idea, mainly because it's the, the geek half of me and everything, but this would be fun because I'm sitting there thinking, you know, because I've got some uh, older comics that uh, I'm like, well, this is really not worth you know the the paper it's printed on, but as a wallet, it becomes something kind of awesome. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I've got yeah. an old Grew the Wanderer even around here somewhere. <laughs> I've even got some independent comic companies that uh, probably don't even exist anymore, but the artwork is cool and like you know it still would make a make a fun wallet for somebody you know, even yeah. if it's not recognizable characters. Stuff like the right. ferret. Anybody even remember <laughs> this character? I remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> it was Malibu Comics, I think, before Marvel bought out Malibu and kept everything, or kept only like Men in Black and wiped out the rest of their company. <laughs> mm. They had a guy called the Ferret, and I think I have like two issues of it because I, I read it in a waiting room, a hospital waiting room, and thought it was kind of cool. And then I actually found a couple issues in a comic shop, and now they're just sitting somewhere buried in my heap. <laughs> mm-hmm. We can make a wallet for you, but it could, it could become a wallet. So, oh my goodness. See, I can end up just spending, you know, for like gift wallets or weird ideas. So, yes, this is going to drain my money if I get too far into this. <laughs> just, it's a really cool idea. I like this. This is fun. All right, but one more time then. Uh, the website is DuckTuff, and that is like T-U-F-F. But we will, of course, have links in the show notes and at NeverlandPodcast.com. And the other one uh, was a game maker. I forgot the name. What was it, the other one? The Game Crafter. The Game yeah. Crafter. And then Which Rough Hauser. Rough Hauser's with a Z. With a Z. That's right. Yeah, yeah. But it's, I mean, the, one of the nice things about it is you buy one deck, you don't have to get booster packs, you know, your friend isn't going <laughs> to buy better cards than you and, you know, flatter you. It's like you buy one you buy one deck and, you know, your whole family of up to five people can play off of one yeah, deck one and just, you just get it, it's done, you know, you don't have to keep pumping money into it, so... It's uh, it's nice. It's a nice family game. Oh, good. So you don't have like Cards Against Humanity where you can't let the kids play. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, hey, Jesse, you remember? Uh, yeah, like Drew Lansrup actually did the art. Drew Lansrup, uh, dot com. He, uh, 
you did it's a sort of a, a Looney Tunes kind of a kind of a flavor on the on the Oh, uh, I know his style very yeah, well. Chill. I remember his style. Yeah. Yep, yep. That guy is uh he's uh big stuff now. He can uh he's legit art <laughs> artist now. Oh, but the possibilities. Cause I, cause I'm sitting here thinking, it's like, wow, you know, if you had some reprints of uh, like the, because they, they, you know, they started reprinting some of the old Disney comics. How fun would that be? Because you because know, I, um, you know, being the Disney show and fan that I am, uh, you go to the Disney store and you get these great, and I end up keeping these bags because they have copies of like old, you know, Mickey Mouse comics and everything. But I'm thinking, wow, if you could get a hold of some reprints of those and send those in, you could have. Really cool Mickey Mouse wallets. All right. Well, I think we've covered everything we were needed to cover, other than the fact that I'm kind yeah. of like sitting here thinking of all the different things I could like start sending at you, you know. <laughs> but Sounds I could good. see all the money I could just spend out. My wife would be like, What did you spend that money on? Wallets. How many wallets do you need? <laughs> uh, but I have so many different comics. So. <laughs> so, you have a very unique niche craft here, and I really think it's a good product. I do think you're onto something. Oh, yeah. All righty. And uh, whenever your next game comes out, let us know and come back on and tell us about the, your new game. For sure, we'll do. All right, well, thanks for coming on the show. All right, All right we'll catch you later. <laughs> we first met her in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix as the quirky, quality Ravenclaw, Luna Lovegood. Her real-life Harry Potter knowledge can surely rival any fan out there. Please join me in welcoming to the stage, Miss Ivana Lynch. Hi, Ivana. Oh, thank you. A member of Dumbledore's army and Harry's first crush. Our next guest is the actress who portrayed Cho Chang. Please welcome to a celebration of Harry Potter for the first time, Miss Katie Leung. Hi, Katie. We witnessed how this character evolved and transformed from his simple origins into a brave and heroic friend and wizard. We followed him since his first fumbling days at Hogwarts to his last stand against evil. Played by our next guest, Neville Longbottom, won our hearts as Harry Potter's friend and fellow Dumbledore Army member. Please welcome to the panel, Mr. Matthew Lewis. Hey, Matthew. Our next guest was the youngest of the Weasleys and the true love of Harry Potter. Please also welcome, for the first time to a celebration of Harry Potter, the actress who portrayed Ginny Weasley, Miss Bonnie Wright. And ladies and gentlemen, our final guest has visited us here at Universal Orlando Resort, but this is his very first time at a celebration of Harry Potter. He portrayed one of Harry Potter's best friends, a master of wizard chess, and the youngest son of the Weasleys, Ron Weasley, makes some noise for Mr. Rupert Grint. So, <laughs> everybody on the count of three, just say hi. One, two, three. All right, so. How does it feel now since we've had kind of a, a full day for you guys? I mean, you've been to a lot of places. You've done a lot of things here. Let's, uh, let's take a look at Diagon Alley and Hogsmeade. Have you, has everyone here had the opportunity to experience those areas? So what, 
What would you say has stood out the most for you, Ivana, in either of those locations, either Hogsmeade or Diagon Alley? What have you been enjoy enjoyed the most in your visits there? I really love how Diagon added the Muggle world because it feels like it's a transition into it, you know? Because uh, that was always a magic moment in, in the books and definitely in the films, you know, when it opened for Harry and it's like, it's the Wizarding World. Your world just expanded and got amazing. Uh, so I like that it, you get to have that process as well. Yeah. Awesome. Katie? Uh, well, I, I only managed to, to uh, go to Diagon Alley uh, a few hours ago. Um, so I was really blown away by it. And um, I got a chance to go into Gringotts Bank as well. So it was, yeah, it was pretty incredible. Um, yeah. So we were talking about, uh, earlier in the day, we were talking about sets and whatnot. What was it like going into the bank and seeing how how great of a job that they've done over there based on how some of the movie scenes were. Yeah, I mean, it was just so realistic, everything. Um, and especially, because I, I, I was the only one to go in, actually, so it just seemed, like, even bigger. Sure. Um, and, uh, yeah. Did you <laughs> know, it's so surreal. <laughs> it's Did a you? lot to take in. It really is yeah. a lot to take in. Did you meet the talking goblin? Yeah, I did. The, the one at the bank. Who you mean you the one in the middle? The animatronic one. Mm -hmm. You know which one I'm talking about? Yep. He gets very upset. He's very easily offended, and it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my God, you have to meet him. He's great. Okay. We'll have to get you back there when we can actually yeah, spend some quality great. time. Yeah. Matthew, how's your experience been here at the parks with us this week? Ah, <laughs> um, it's always fantastic to, to come out here. I mean, it's, it's kind of an odd thing because you, you, you travel, you know, thousands of miles and to a a different country and you never have any idea what the reception is going to be like even after you know so many years you still never know if people are going to turn out people are going to turn up and and uh and then every time i come you get this and it's uh <laughs> it's incredibly it's really overwhelming and uh and and, and it's it's the main reason why why we keep coming back you sure. know it's because of these guys so yeah it's been it's been great yeah, the fans truly are. They are incredible. So, Bonnie, this is your first time here with us at the celebration of Harry Potter. Have you enjoyed the weekend? What, what, uh, what has kind of stood out for you being here and experiencing everything that, uh, that they've offered this week? Uh, yeah, um, it's amazing to be here and seeing all of your smiling faces. Um, I'm like a huge fan of rides in general, so the little right. inner child within me is like having the best weekend ever. Um, I also brought three of my friends along and, and having to experience everything through them who are having like the first time walking into Diagon Alley and all these things, it feels like I'm experiencing it too for the first time, so it's been really nice to share it with them. Um, and yeah, I think what's strange about all of it is that even though the sets were so intricately detailed and beautifully crafted, when you go onto, you know, the streets here, you go into the shops and you can actually take home the stuff you see, which we sure. never even got to do in the <laughs> film. So that's quite exciting. Or, or like things that, you know, butterbeer. I mean, that's just a ridiculous thing that they've actually made that into a real drink. That it was something that everyone loved reading. This idea that is described as this like warm hug. It was just this like, so yeah, experiencing those things definitely is like a geek, geeky, geeky fest for me. <laughs> love it, love it. Rupert? Yeah, hi. Hello, everyone. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you. That sounded like an, that sounded like an AM yeah. radio. Are you okay? That sounded <laughs> like you're in pain. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. 
You've got, you got to got to do a lot since you've been here. We moved you guys around a lot. But, you know, you've been here several times before. How is kind of the evolution for you for going from Hogsmeade to Diagon Alley is now here? And just what's the experience been like for you? It's, it's amazing. I mean, I, I haven't been here for a while. It's been a few years. And um, it's always just so humbling just to see all of you, like, kind of getting your wands and your robes. And it's, it's amazing to see it live on. And, and people are still excited about it. And I think the, 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 the world has just been... It's, it's just amazing. It's been created so accurately and so authentically, and I think it's, it's an amazing place. It's good to come back. Yeah, it really, it truly is. It truly is. So, I mean, concerning, you know, the movies and, you know, when you guys started, you were so young, um, we wanted to know, what was the experience like? Because, you know, you've traveled the world with some events that are going on, Matthew, and you've also been to the premieres and whatnot. When, when you've gone to a premiere of the movies and you get to see fans from different countries, what would you say has been the most interesting experience? And, and anyone can take this. Something that maybe stands out when you're with a different country, different type of culture, and the fans that were part of that culture. Um, well, I guess the beauty of Joe's story is that it, does, it transcends time, culture, language, all these incredible things that no matter where you seem to travel, it's managed to still, it's just a human story that touches any age of people. And I think that's what's really lovely about being here. You see like the kid, the parent, and the grandparent, which you just never get to experience stuff like that together. So it's quite exciting also to know that this is still gonna be here maybe when we're not the youngest in our generation. Like we might have children or we'll have friends that have children that we can come and experience it with, which is really, really surreal that it, that it well, it, which, is, which is like film really, in the sense that you burn something into celluloid and it, 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 it lasts forever, which is very much like mm -hmm. the experience here. So hopefully we can keep coming back. Yes, well said, very well said. Ivana? I, one thing I really appreciate about, and I notice that it's especially in America, Florida, uh, is that people of all ages dress up, you know? Because I have... I, That's true. That's true. It's so, yeah. You see whole families do it and really getting into it, and they're each creating their, what the, who they would be as a wizard or witch. And it's funny because my dad is here with me this time and he's gobsmacked by it. And I think he's a little jealous because he's like, that fella's older than me. You know, and I think he's kind of like, what am I missing out on? And I'm just like, yeah, it's because they're fun. <laughs> Especially fans here are really fun and embrace their inner child. And I think probably my dad is reconsidering how he lives his life now. <laughs> Mike get his own pair of robes and hat and all that. Well, as you said, these fans have a ton of enthusiasm, and I'm sure they all have their favorite characters. On the count of three, yell out your favorite character. One, two, three. Same. Same. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would agree on that as well. So as far as characters are concerned, here's a question for, for everyone. Okay, so think of, okay, so you played your own character, and of course, everybody's matched up so well to the role that they played. But thinking back now, because you're, you know, you've all grown up a bit, if you could go back into the films and portray a different character, who, who would you like to portray if you had that opportunity to do so? And anyone can answer this one. I just think it'd be a fun question. We've had that asked before several times, but since we had kind of a new panel, just wanted to put it out there to you. What character would you like to play in the films? Ron? Weasley. <laughs> you would choose? I would choose... Hmm. Uh, I don't know. It's hard. Every time people ask me this, I always come up with a different answer. Um, I think maybe Hermione. So I can... <laughs> Hermione. 
<laughs> so I can kiss myself. <laughs> no, probably not. All right. I wouldn't like that. <laughs> and you'll remember that answer the next time you're asked this question. <laughs> Bonnie? I will say Hagrid, but it's just, I don't know if that's even funny anymore, but I used to think it was funny. Um, um, oof, I don't know. I guess, I mean, playing, you know, being so good, it'd be fun to play something dark. Um, ooh. Um, Bellatrix. Yeah, um, I don't know if I played Bellatrix. Um, yeah, I, that's true. I don't think I could ever live up to Ray Fiennes' performance, let's be honest, but to, to embody that whole like amazing draping cloak that he had and the amazing sort of prosthetics and stuff that he wore, that would be pretty fun. All right. Yeah. Good, to, be, good to, be, to, have, to be the, you know, the one that everyone fears to say his name would be pretty cool. Very cool. Thank you. Matthew? Uh, probably uh, Hermione, so I could kiss Rupert Grint. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's your real answer. Okay. <laughs> Katie? Um, I did see Draco this afternoon, um, but the great thing about being asked the same question is I can change my mind. So, um, that's true. I'd say Luna, um, because, yeah, I, I'd like to, to try embracing awkwardness. That would be, that'd be a great experience. All right, all right, very good. Ivana? Probably, I, I love Dumbledore. I always loved him in the books. And I thought him and Luna were quite similar in ways in that they're both wise uh, and it's slightly detached from the world, but quirky at the same time. And um, yeah, I just think the beard would be handy to hide some things in it. Would never need to carry a handbag. Yeah, lovely. Fantastic answers. Thank you so much for that. So, this was kind of an interesting question, I thought, and it has to do with uh, your character and any instruction that may have been given directly from J.K. Rowling. So, for those of you who may have had that experience with her, how was that meeting with her maybe for the first time, and uh, what kind of advice or direction did she, uh, did she pass on to you? <laughs> Sorry, um, I don't know. I mean, she was always uh, very supportive and, and uh, came to the set a lot. And, but she never really gave her... I can't really think of any specific advice. I think she... The great thing about her, she kind of let us kind of find it ourselves. And um, I think over the course of the films, we kind of grew into the characters ourselves and kind of, yeah, it kind of worked more organically like that. Uh, she didn't really give us any kind of specific advice. Well, me, anyway, I don't know about you. I don't, I, don't, I don't think I've ever actually discussed Harry Potter with Joe. Yeah. I, I've, every time I've spoken to her, we've talked about uh, everything but, really. Um, really? Yeah, whenever she used to come and visit the studio, and um, I remember the first time she came to visit my dressing room, and I had a lot of movie posters up on the walls. So I had, like a, like, a Rocky poster and, I think, like, Reservoir Dogs or something, and... And we just talked about that. We talked about films and music and, and, and all my interests and stuff and nothing to do with the character or Harry Potter. Yeah, she just sort of let us get on with it, I guess. In my experience, I don't... Ivana? 
Not the first, the first time I met her, I was just so overwhelmed and couldn't believe it was her. Like, I, it actually, when she first came out and uh, there were all these people around and they were waiting for me to have a crazy reaction and I think I just stared for a while because I, I didn't believe it was her, so it wasn't that. But it was the, the, the moments when I just felt so much relief it was at the premiere because I was so worried what like that she would hate my performances, Luna, and that she would think I was all wrong. And I had this recurring nightmare leading up to the Order of the Phoenix premiere <laughs> of, uh, it was awful. I would wake up like uh, crying, upset. And it was just uh, seeing her there and she just went like this. <laughs> Whoa. So terrifying. I was so upset. And, and then at the premiere, uh, she just gave me the biggest hug and she just said it, it was perfect and she was so happy and that's when I, went, I started sleeping again. And yeah, like she, she really, like what Rupert said, she was very supportive. She never would try and give notes or anything, unless you really asked, unless you were seeking, in which case she was very generous. But um, she like, same way with David Yates and everyone, she really respected that we were individuals and we were gonna put our take on it as well. So, yeah. Awesome, thank you so much. So another question we'd have, and again, we could uh, field this towards the entire panel. The movies were so fantastic. Everybody appeared, of course, at different times as we saw them. But is there any one particular either movie or a scene from a movie that was either really kind of nerve-wracking to film or just extremely funny to film? So what kind of stuck out in your minds as uh, something that, would, you know, that you could remember and share with, with your fans that are here today? Well, yeah, I guess I'm going to talk about the, uh, <laughs> the kiss. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a big deal for, for both of us, I think. It was, there was such an anticipated moment. There was a lot of pressure on both of us to get it right and kind of believable, I guess, because, like, me and Emma, I've known Emma since she was so young. It just, she, I mean, she's like my sister. It just seemed very unnatural. And I just remember, I just remember seeing her face just get closer and closer to mine. And it was, it was terrifying. I was really scared. Um, but yeah, I think it, was, it, it had to happen. And it was, yeah, it was a, it was a, nice, it was a nice moment. All right, great yes. answer. <laughs> Thank you. How many, um, the reason I'm asking this question is because based on the answer that you just gave, because you were so familiar with each other, how many like, takes were there to, to make that scene to where everybody was, was happy with it? Uh, I can't. I, one probably. Really? <laughs> yeah. It was the first take, I guess. I can't remember. I can't really remember about much about it. I think I probably blacked out br briefly. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It, it was, was. I mean, it was a lot of energy leading up to that moment, and I think at least when I was in the theater, there wasn't. It wasn't quiet at all. As soon as it happened, it was like you said, this kind of energetic release, and we were like, we knew it was going to happen, yeah. and here we go. Let's make this the, make this <laughs> right. That's good. Very good. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, obviously, I had to do similar uh, scenes myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a really weird thing to, to have to do this, like, on, like, the most mechanical version of a romantic moment you could ever imagine happening with, like, the whole crew watching you, even the crew you know really well, and then it's like having almost, like, your parents or family watching. It's a really weird experience. Um, there was obviously the first kiss that Dan and I had, and then there was a second one that was even weirder because we had Oliver who um, was watching. It was obviously meant to be an awkward moment anyway, but it was just like he couldn't stop winding us up and laughing, like him in the background, like, he, I'm here. <laughs> um, so 
So that was quite funny to have him standing there watching as Dan like zipped my dress up, which is also weird. Um, but yeah, I don't, it's a very strange experience when you also know, like you're saying, that it is this moment that people love so much and are so excited for that you you need to almost like know that there's that expectation and put it aside and just do the scene rather than doing it for for that. So that's always hard. Yeah. Great answer. Thank you so much, Matt. Um, I'm I'm gonna go with the uh, the latter part of the question and um, like really funny funny scenes to shoot. Um, and I, I'm gonna bring bring Root back in on, on this one uh, because most of the scenes that I think that involve laughter usually involve Rupert. Um, and the one that I, I always remember, and I, it's one of my fondest memories, um, was, was the, the day that we basically wasted an entire day's shooting um, in the common room because none of us could keep a straight face because of one of the lines. That, oh, the, the, the line that got cut. The, the line, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, which was... <laughs> Okay, I, I, I didn't, I, this was all you. You were the one that was laughing. <laughs> this was a perfectly good line. Uh, it was basically, I can't remember the context of it, but it was about... I was Dev, Devin's kicking off, Seamus is giving yeah. a bit, and you're like, hey, hang on. Yeah, watch out or you're going to get a fistful of Weasley. <laughs> it's the line. <laughs> now, did you... Did you uh, did you deliver that line that the way, or how, oh. how did you really deliver it when it was when it was being filmed? Oh, it was absolutely perfect. <laughs> but you... it was it was just Matthew just couldn't. What's that? I think. Oh, I think do you they want me to do the line? Yeah, do it. <laughs> yeah. You just did it. You just did it. Well, yeah, basically, I just did it. <laughs> you just did it that way. Well, I can't really, I can't remember it properly. No. Give, give me like a, a feed line and I'll, I'll come. <laughs> just laugh. Yeah. That's probably was, how you did it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just, do you want a fistful of Weasley? Um, we just, it was, it was, it was, <laughs> yeah. It was, um, yeah. We ended up taking lunch at like 10 a.m. because we just couldn't do it. We were like, just, guys, just go away and stop laughing. Yeah. And then we came back and laughed again and just went, let's just, no. And they and cut never, it and we moved on and it was a waste of a day. And, and we never, never did it. Made it. All right. Thank you so much. Um, Katie? I think my, one of my most terrifying scenes besides the kiss um, was the very first day on set because I had no concept of what it was like to film on um, such a massive uh, project. Sure. And um, so I was getting ready to film. And then I saw like 50, must have been about 50 people watching me about to do my first scene ever. And I was just like, why are people still standing there watching me? <laughs> I thought, I, I don't know why. I just thought, you know, it was the director and that, that was it. Um, so it really frightened me, um, and all I had to say was Harry, I think, um, and I, I just couldn't say it because I was just so nervous. Um, so it took a few takes before I kind of got into the swing of it. Um, yeah, but it, it's, it's crazy how many people need to be standing watching. Uh, yeah. How long when you, because you said it was kind of a, you know, nervous for starting out, and this is kind of your first experience doing such a thing, how long did it take before you became you know, comfortable with the cast and you kind of found your flow, so to speak? Um, 
it didn't take too long, actually, because we did um, a few kind of workshops together um, just to kind of get to know each other and be comfortable around each other. Um, so that was great. Um, and also everyone welcomed me with open arms, so that was incredible. And also I wasn't the only uh, new cast member to sure. join the fourth film, so it kind of felt like it was a lot more easy. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was easy. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. Ivana? They were all so much fun, but I, I was just thinking there, the last, one of the last scenes we ever shot uh, was the big courtyard scene where uh, basically the whole entire cast from the movies are there because it's the standoff with, between Voldemort and the good guys. And um, it was one of those weird scenes where it's like, we all needed to be there, but we didn't have much to do. So you get restless and you start messing around and not taking it seriously. I remember uh, Lewis, who did he play? Blaze, I think. Uh, yeah, Blaise. yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Um, he, he was there and Maggie Smith was there and she's kind of like a formidable lady. She's quite like, yeah, scary and she's not, she's not the most approachable. And uh, he just decided he was gonna befriend her and he just did this thing of like pretending they were great friends and every day be like, all right, Maggie, how's it going? And she was really like, she would do that kind of Downton Abbey glare and <laughs> back off. But like a few days into it, they'd kind of become friends, oddly. Like they just warmed up to it. And it, it was like, it was just sweet to see that happen. And um, yeah, to see her, her soft side coming out. <laughs> yeah. All right, very good. Thank you so much. So here's another question here. We're almost out of time. I'm watching, but I know the fans would really kind of like to know your take on this. So if we were to bring the wizarding world into this world and you could choose a spell and it doesn't have to be a spell from the movie per se, just something that you wish you could be able to do through a spell. What, what one thing do you think, oh, you know what, if I, if I had a spell, this is what I would do. <laughs> I don't know. Like, um, Wingardium Leviosa. <laughs> Always been quite fond of that one. All right. I don't know really what I'd do, just... <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> <laughs> they know some lines out there. Anyone else want to take that one? What's, what spell, what would you want to be able to do in the real world? All the spells are think intently. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we could be, no. you have something, Ivana? Lots of things, lots of things I'd like. Choose um, one. I'd, I'd like to be able to give animals the power of speech or translate for them. Okay. Yeah, that'd be cool, right? Yeah. Kind of um, know what animals are uh, thinking, have some do conversations. You know that, do you guys know that show, Avatar, not the blue people? The Avatar, I mean, yeah, it's an amazing show. And in, in Korra, in the second series, they have this beautiful like harmony between the spirit world, which is all these weird creatures, and the human world. And they just have this mutual respect. And it's kind of my ideal world. And I think if we just could talk to each other, we'd have that. It'd be nice. Yeah. All right. Not a bad spell to have. All right, so if you weren't an actor, if this was not your profession, what other profession do you think you would like to partake in? 
<laughs> okay, so that's out. So why don't you go ahead and talk about that, Rupert? <laughs> the yeah, ice cream the, the, truck. It's true. I, an ice cream man uh, was my dream. It kind of still is my dream a little bit. Um, but I, I suppose I could do it. It just be a bit, it might be a bit weird. Um, yeah, I got a truck. It was my first. When I passed my driving test, I got an ice cream truck because <laughs> I always wanted one. And uh, yeah, I love it. it I did, on the last day of filming, I brought it to the studios and, and me and Emma uh, served ice cream to everyone. Was, yeah, good, a good moment. I think you might have about 5,000 customers here for yeah, your yeah. ice cream truck. <laughs> well, yeah. I'll, I'll, bring it, I'll bring it next time. So, Bonnie, we, we were discussing this earlier and you're actually following something as far as directing is concerned. Is that, is that a, did that dream kind of manifest while you were doing the acting or how did that come about you wanting to following a passion of being a director yeah um i think my curiosity as a child whilst filming on the set of harry potter was a hugely it was my first film school not only for the acting side of things but i was always really curious as to sort of what went on in all the other departments and having a and i think i was just so lucky that i was able to be exposed and have a respect for the craft that went behind like every single department um, so yeah, I guess that inspired me to go to film school, which I did um, when we were still filming the last film. And yeah, I've been directing my own films, which has been really enjoyable. Um, and it's just been really incredible as well in terms of being directed as an actress and then learning what it's like to, to have... It is, a, it is, a, a, is a, a language almost that you get to know, and it's quite interesting sure. being able to, you know, flip the coin and do, do the other thing. Um, and... You know, I think it both informs one another. It's just storytelling, much like how books turn into movies so well. It's just essentially telling stories, and that's what this place is about, too, really. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Great. That's fantastic. Matthew? Um, it, it's been uh, sort of a dream of mine for a long time. Um, I mean, an actor is what I've always wanted to be, so I'm very content. But if I'd been of a slightly bigger build and um, a slightly braver person. I would have loved to have been a, a professional rugby league player. Um, okay. I got, a, I got a lot of friends who, who play rugby league professionally uh, back home in England and their, their commitment, um, their humility, their, 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 their discipline, I just think they're a, they're a different breed and I, I, I admire them a, a great deal. Um, I could never do it, um, but um, I would have liked to in, a, in another life, I think. All right, Katie. Um, I did a I did a photography degree post Potter, um, so I spent four years doing film photography, um, and it's something I really really enjoy. Um, but then I, I got a part in a, a stage production, and it you know I was pulled back into acting. So if that hadn't happened, I think I'd probably be a photographer now. All right. Yeah. Still plenty of time. <laughs> yeah. Still plenty of time, Ivana. Um, I kind of still. And that's what, what's nice about acting, you can try other things and it does feed your work to do other things. I kind of want to be a writer as well. Uh, because I think, no, but like, no, no, calm down. No, you're scaring me now. Like, that's the problem. <laughs> I'm so intimidated by it because I'm intimidated by writers because, you know, like they're the originator of stories. It all comes from that. And it just, like, it amazes me that we're walking around here and these huge lands and so many people are working here and filling the place. And it all came from Joe's head, you know? I just think that's such a cool kind of power and, uh, yeah, thing. So I'd like to do that. 
Um, but it does, it, like actually sitting down and do it, I find it scary to stare at a blank page and have nothing to, it's just you. Um, so my kind of backup plan is professional cat lady. Open a little Professional session. cat lady. Professional, okay. yeah. All right, and yeah, what do you think, think, how do you think that would evolve? Uh, just keep collecting cats. Just okay. don't stop. Really not much to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, and I kind of, <laughs> I read a book recently where it was all about like, you should make what you love, what you do most, that should be your job. Mm -hmm. And it was, there was this whole thing of how you examine your time and find out what you spend most of your time at. And so much of it had to do with cats. And I was like, damn, I'm supposed to be a cat lady, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> it's just my natural state. So yeah, we'll try the art thing for a while, but I think it's where I'll end up. <laughs> well, that, uh, that wraps up the time that we have. You know, thank you all so much for spending some time with us, especially throughout the entire weekend. You'll see all of them for, the, for tomorrow, of course, so I'll have some more opportunities. It's been a privilege to have the five of you on this stage. For some of you, the first time, thank you so much. This has been a, a really a wonderful experience, and we hope you've had as much fun with us as I know these fans have had with you. So let's give them another big round of applause. Thank you so much. Now, some of you may be gathering things and making your way out from wherever you are standing, but we are not done, ladies and gentlemen. Remember when I said at the beginning that you're going to be very glad that you joined us tonight? Well, guess what? Our friends from Warner Brothers and some of their amazing Harry Potter partners may just have a few more surprises in store for you. So, here we go. As you know, there's a lot of activity around Harry Potter and the wider Wizarding World this year. Let's see, there's a new land opening out in Hollywood. That's right. I think there's a film coming up at the end of the year, yes? How many people wish tomorrow was November? I know I do. And then, of course, a stage play. Yes, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child will be on stage this year in London, and it will be fantastic. The story will pick up where Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows concluded 19 years after the destruction of Lord Voldemort. This is a brand new play by Jack Thorne based on an original story by J.K. Rowling, Jack Thorne, and John Tiffany. So that's pretty exciting, right? Well, let's now meet some of the talented people behind the scenes that work closely with her to bring Harry Potter and the Cursed Child to life. Watch the screens. Well, welcome everyone in Orlando from blustery London. I'm Sonia Friedman, producer, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. And I'm Colin Callender, producer of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. And we're here to show you around the Palace Theatre and to tell you a little bit about where we are in the process. So welcome, come on inside with us. This theatre has incredible mystery about it. All the features, it's gothic, it's like walking into Hogwarts. It was the only theatre for us, it was the obvious choice. Very early on in this process, when we looked at the story outline that J.K. Rowling, Jack Vaughan and John Tiffany had created, we threw them the challenge and said, do you want to do this in two parts? We didn't actually sort of think about it at the time when we said that, it just came out. And Jack and John and J.K. Rowling went, yes, can we? We said, it's Harry Potter, anything's possible. And so throughout the day, a community will be built because you will be sitting in the same seat. You'll be sharing the experience. 
there's lots and lots to discover in it. Lots of twists and lots of turns and lots of unexpected moments and the edge of the seat excitement as to what's going to happen next, which you only really can get in theatre. And behind that curtain, on that stage, will be the cast and the story. We would have loved to have been in Orlando with you, but unfortunately we have a lot to do. We've got a show to put on for you. What do you guys think? That was great, wasn't it? An exclusive behind-the-scenes look prepared just for you at a celebration of Harry Potter 2016. You're the first ones to see this. You guys are the first. And as you all know, they recently revealed details of the award-winning cast that will be part of the new play. Check out the screens there. I think we're going to put these up. First is Jamie Parker. He's the first actor to ever play Harry Potter on stage. This prolific stage, film, and TV actor is currently playing Sky Masterson in Guys and Dolls at the Savoy Theatre in London. He's performed in numerous other productions, including the role of Scripps, which he originated in the History Boys at the National Theatre, as well as the 2006 film adaptation opposite Harry Potter actor Richard Griffiths. Our new Hermione will be played by the incredible Olivier Award-winning actress Noma Dumezweni. Noma starred, yeah... Noma starred in both The Winter's Tale and Romeo and Juliet for the Royal Shakespeare Company and won an Olivier Award for Best Performance in a supporting role as the young Ruth Younger in A Raisin in the Sun. You may also know her from the TV series Doctor Who. Yes. And lastly, but certainly not least, Paul Thornley will play Ron. Paul recently appeared in the role of Dodge in the film London Road, an adaptation of the National Theatre's award-winning play. He also appeared in Noises Off at the National Theatre, Piccadilly, and Comedy Theatres. Some of his many other credits include Father Brown in TV and the film La Miz. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the amazing cast of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. We cannot wait to hear about the new story and hope everyone will have the opportunity to see it. And now, get ready for a very special, special treat from the upcoming film, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, prepared especially for you. Let's show it. It's been a wonder, really. It's just unlike anything I've ever been a part of. Sometimes I'll walk around and I'll just have like something in my hand and I'll just forget that I can't make things move. The job we have to do is to make it seem natural and you kind of have to ignore your own sense of wonder, you know, watching it. It's incredibly exciting. We're working directly with JK. It's her first screenplay. It's this vivid, lively, beautiful world that Joe has created. It's her magical universe, but transposed to New York in 1926. There's one English gentleman called Newt's Commander who turns up in New York with a suitcase full of rather extraordinary creatures. Some of his beasts get out of the case. And this one catalyst sets in motion a sort of insane amount of events that just cause chaos. And at the core of it is this quartet. 
There are three other central characters. There's Tina Goldstein. Tina's very soulful. She has a lot of heart and strength and courage. She has a sister, Queenie. So you have two sisters who have raised each other and have a very deep bond. And lastly, there is Jacob, a muggle or a nomad, as it's called in this world. Jacob is back from the war, and now he's trying to get his life together and open up a bakery. He just happens into this very magical situation. All four central characters are outsiders. Part of the journey of this for each of them is coming into themselves. This film will appeal to all. It's funny, it's moving, it's thrilling. There's just so much meaning in her stories and so much heart. Fans of Harry Potter, they're going to feel the nostalgia and the love they have in the movies in a whole new light. It's like imagination taken to the extreme. It was open? Just a smidge. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, a link to visit our shop, and much more. And please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. Or email us at podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. If you email us a Lost Boy or Pixie nickname with a reason why you chose that name, you can become an official Neverlander. Girls are too clever to get lost, so we are naturally magical pixies. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support in keeping the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit patreon.com slash neverlandpodcast to donate to keeping the pixie dust alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions. God God bless. bless!